Welcome to the Wellspring Church Podcast. We're an international church family who wants to see Jesus' love transform communities. This recording is a sermon from our Sunday service and will take you deeper into the Bible in a real and relevant way. And we're continuing our theme, Where God Dwells, Hope Lives. And if you have a Bible, you could turn to Joshua 24, because that's where we're going to be today. You would all know the verse very, very well. And this is what it says in Joshua 24, 14 through to 15. Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and faithfulness. Put away the gods that your father served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your fathers that served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much for Maria. I thank you that she is choosing to serve you. I thank you for her parents. I thank you for John and Rose who chose to serve you and made a decision. And this is the fruit of that decision. So Father, we pray for Maria as she speaks, as she communicates your heart to the people. Father, may it be your words. And may you use her story as an encouragement, as a point for prayer and a revelation to people in this room. And we bless that in Jesus' name. Go for it, Maria. Amen. So I've basically been asked to come here and give a little bit about what it was like for me growing up in a Christian family and how that's impacted my life today. So I've never known a time that I wasn't going to church. I was dedicated at home at seven months old. And from that point to now, I've been in four different churches now, including Wellspring. My parents have always given me the sense of dedication to whatever church I'm in to kind of get involved as much as possible. I would do summer camps. I do after school things. I used to be more as a participant, now I'm getting to do that as more of a leader. I do some volunteering at my old church with the girls' brigade there, and I also co-led with Carl Splash in Easter, and I'm very excited to do that again this summer. Um, my, <laughs> my parents have really guided me and kind of helped me to get, my, get stronger in my heart to want to serve others. I'm well aware that that is a trait that I haven't gotten by my own strength, and it hasn't been taught by my parents, but that gift is really a gift from the Holy Spirit, and it is something that only God can give you. So a bit about my parents, my dad over there. Um, he grew up in the Anglican Church down in Wiltshire. He's similar to me. He's never known a time he's not been a Christian. He now works as a GP. He is unbelievably hardworking and so inspiring in that, and that I know everything he does, he does for the glory of God. And that is really amazing to see. My mum, who was in the first service, was born in Sri Lanka. She came over here as a child, always grew up in the church, but really kind of declared her faith when she got baptised as a teenager, and then her relationship with God really was strengthened after her sister, my auntie, got into a really severe accident, one which she shouldn't have survived, but by so many prayers and a miracle. She's here today, she's in a church in Watford. Um, so yeah, my mum then went on to get both a medical degree and a law degree. I'm not sure why you need both, but she got it. Um, she's now dedicated her time to serving the Lord through helping in the Acorns group that runs here on, on the weekdays, and preaching down in a church in Edgware. So how this has all helped to where I'm at today, I think growing up in a Christian family, having somebody to 
pray with is a massive thing. If there would have been a squabble in my friend group, if I was stressed about an exam, the first point of call was to pray about it. And I think I'm learning, emphasis on learning, to do that for myself now. And I think the more dire a situation is, the more important it is that you pray about it. And that is something that I've really learned from my parents that I'm trying to implement in my life today. The other thing is that I was brought up with a very strict moral code that reflected the Bible, but there were things that I wasn't allowed to do and things that I had to do. So an example of this, I have never celebrated Halloween growing up, never gone trick-or-treating, never dressed up. The closest thing I've ever got was I went on a family holiday with some family friends and they wanted to all dress up. So we, um, they did their dressing up and we basically stood in the living room, we walked around in a circle, just handed each other some sweets for five minutes. Closest I've got, great experience, not one I'd probably do again. But um, yeah, I think being, what that really taught me is being able to say no to the seemingly insignificant things. Halloween, a lot of people say, oh, it's not that big of a deal, just let it go, it's just a hat and like some sweets. I think if you're able to say no to those small things, when the bigger trials come, you'll be prepared to stand your ground. Yeah. I think a lot of these... A lot of these small trials are a part of a much bigger spiritual battle, one that you don't see, and that when you're able to serve and dedicate and make those choices to, to, to serve God in the situations behind closed doors, when you're talking about a person that necessarily isn't in the room, it's in those situations that will really show how much you're willing to serve the Lord when it's like seemingly unimportant and I think that's something that has really been taught to me by my parents another thing is that I went to um going I was very taught very categorically I would go to church during my exams I had my GCSEs last year and for me it's that, that sense of dedication that when you have a busy week ahead of you it's when it's most important to get into church to give your time to the Lord and he will honor that when it is difficult to you he will see that whether that is with your time, whether that's with your finances, whether that is in your words, it is really Matthew 6, 33 says, but seek the king, first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all things will be added to you. Like the, um, like the example of the poor widow who gave everything to the temple of the Lord, even when it was less than what the Pharisees gave, God sees your heart. He sees the things that are hard for you to do and he will honour that. My parents have a massive heart for evangelism. They run an organisation which, bring, which brings in Christian plays and productions into local secular theatres. And I've been involved in helping promote those. I'd be out on the street, little me giving out flies to absolute strangers. Terrifying. But I think it's taught me that confidence that to be able to just bring out Jesus' name in a, in a conversation, that it's not something you have to wait until you're at a certain level of friendship with some, somebody before you can mention your faith. And I think that's given me the confidence to talk to my friends, because I know how much of an impact I have on them, especially ones that are not Christians. I am the sim I represent Christianity to the people. You guys represent Christianity to the people that don't know Jesus. And that is a massive responsibility, but it is really amazing to have that. Like It's a real opportunity that you guys should be able to utilise as much as possible. So, as I've grown older, I've been given more freedom to be able to kind of choose what I want to do with my time, who I want to spend it with, and with that freedom, I've been able to set boundaries, which I think God wants for me in my life, to be able to choose what he, how he wants me to live. With this freedom, I got baptised last year, April 2022, here at Wellspring, which is very exciting. <laughs> so just bringing that to where I'm back to today, I currently lead the Christian Union at my school, which meets every Thursday. We chat, we debate, we pray. And I think it is really important because we've really built a sense of community of people from across different year groups, from all different social circles, just coming to even necessarily when we're not the most 
spiritual, like in the heart of the Holy Spirit, we're still just chatting as Christians. And I think that there is something so special about that in a world where that is really rare now. I'm going to be honest, CU has not been easy for me. There have been plenty of weeks where I've really been not looking very much forward to it. There'll be weeks where I come in, no, nobody's really turned up. Or there have been weeks where I'd have a massive crowd of people come in purely to mock the CU or to laugh at it or to kind of provoke it. And I think that that is a massive challenge to me. But I hold on to Colossians 3, 23 to 24. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It's the Lord Christ you're serving. And I think I don't know what situations you're in, if that verse relates to you in any way. But just know that when you feel like there are people are mocking you, people are kind of provoking you, trying to test your faith that that is a situation where God will honour you at every time that you stand firm. And that is definitely something that's been taught to me by my parents, and that is something that I hope somebody has been able to teach you, and if not, you'll be able to teach others. So that's me. <laughs> Pass back to Carl. Thank you uh, for sharing that. And, and John, I just want to honour you and, and Rose for everything you've done in raising Maria through the struggles, through the storms, but choosing daily to serve him. This is the fruit. This is transforming the next generation. You've lived it out for real. Just want to honour that and say, amazing. Now, can I, can I be really real this morning? Can I be actually quite vulnerable on, yeah. on platform? Is that going to be okay? Yeah. I love my mum and dad. I want to honour them, but I wish I had parents like you. And I, I mean that s s sincerely, because I want to share with you, and there's a point to this, that God isn't bound by our parents, but I want to show you the impact it's had on me and some of my story in growing up in a household that serves idols and a household that does not serve God and put God first. So my parents made completely the opposite decisions to what Maria's parents did. They're, they're not Christians. They don't know Jesus. They, they, they don't know him. They haven't given their life to him. And the choices my parents made therefore impacted me. And I think we could all agree for parents in the house, spiritual parents, the choices we make affect our family. The choices we make affect our marriages, affect our friendships. And all these things have an impact. And look, I am not saying my parents aren't bad people. They're lovely people. I love my mum to pieces. I'm restoring a relationship with my dad through coming to Jesus and learning forgiveness and, and him doing some healing. You know, I, I remember with my dad, he served money and he served status, right? He didn't serve Jesus. My mum just did whatever my dad did. So she kind of served my dad. So growing up for me, as for me and my house, we served idols, we served idols. And again, they're not bad people. Like my dad, the only way he knew how to parent was through his parents. Through his parents. There's three generations that I know of who didn't serve the Lord. Three generations. And, it, and what I'm saying is it has an impact. Parenthood has an impact. And I remember my dad, every summer, I used to go over for the statutory one week that he would see me. And we, we'd just play the Mega Drive. And those moments were great. Again, he's, he's, he only parented the way he knew. So he would throw money at stuff to buy my love. And at that age, I was living the dream. Okay, So I had Sonic the Hedgehog. David, I know you're on sabbatical, which is good because I'm, I didn't like Mario. I was all about the Sonic the Hedgehog, the 1992 Genesis game, if any of you remember that, or the Mega Drive. I absolutely loved it. And I remember for hours just playing with my dad because that's the only way he knew how to father. 
And Maria was sharing with her parents, you know, she went to pray with her parents. When I went to my mum and have an issue, she'd be like, just knock them out, just punch them. That'll deal with it. They'll, 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 seriously, like, loving person, most lovely person in the world, but that was her advice because our, our household didn't serve the Lord. We, we served idols. And obviously that had an impact on me. See, look, where our heart is, is where our treasure is. So where we're placing our heart, that's, that's where the treasure is. And for my family, it wasn't Jesus. So by Maria's age, you're 17, right? At 17, I was going out clubbing, making stupid decisions. I was fighting, I was drinking, I'd been expelled from schools. And that was the impact. I'm not playing the victim here because I'm responsible for my own decisions. So I'm not playing a victim. These are my decisions that I made. But I served what the world wanted to give me, not Jesus, because I didn't know him. I didn't know him. I didn't fear the Lord, nor did my parents. My parents taught me to trust myself. Don't trust anyone. Trust yourself. Whereas Maria's parents are saying, trust in Jesus, put your faith in him. I'm putting my, I'm putting my faith in my fists and my elbows and my knees. And you all know my story. Look where that got me. I was that hurt and angry. I wanted to hurt people. I didn't want to bring unity. I wanted to bring disunity. And to be really real with you this morning, that's why I joined the army. To be real, I wanted to kill people. I was so hurt and angry. Best way to do that, the army will take me. I'm, I'm, I'm still in good shape, right? Come on, look at me. Uh, that, that's why I'm thankful to the army for. I'm in great shape, right? But that's what they offered. They offered the idols that I was looking for. Money, guns, women, hurting people. That's what we worshipped. And that's what I worshipped. But what I want to share with you today is no matter how bad or good or indifferent our parents are, because all our parents have good bits, and I want to honour that. I want to honour mothers and fathers. We all have good bits. But now the bad bits, God has an opportunity to journey with you in. As I said, I'm, I'm restoring a relationship with my father who, who did some pretty horrendous things. And if I told you about it, you'd be like, why? Because Jesus forgives and Jesus loves, and Jesus has healed me, and I'm a testimony to that, where now I can restore and love my father, because I know he only loved the way he knew how to love. But you know what? I want different for my kids. I want different for my two boys. I want different for Micah. I want different for Jesse. I want them to grow up in the fear of the Lord, serving the Lord, knowing who Jesus is. I don't want my kids building on the sand. I want them to build them on the rock, which is Jesus Christ. I want your kids to build on the rock that is Jesus Christ, not the sand. I want the next generation to know him for real, for real, but not just with our heads. Because when I gave my life to Jesus, I remember it was the 15th of July, 2012, when the Olympics won, I was 27. And I remember just being in tears. Like, who is this guy? Who is this guy who died for me? Who is this guy who can fill a void? Who is this that's been chasing after me all the years in spite of good or bad parents? Who is this who wants me to have a relationship with him and restored sonship with him? It's Jesus. And I'm thankful to a guy called Paul Unsworth. Uh, he's from Reading. And I played basketball when I was 14 in Reading. Now, I thought I was going to be a gigantor. You know, like Rolly Mordy, her kids are like 6'8", six, 6'9". Six, they're going to play at the NBA. At 13, I was 6'1", and I'm left-handed as well. So there's an advantage. 
And I remember playing in Reading, but I just stopped growing. Whereas, you know, I, I could have been like, you know, Brooklyn Nets right now, like championship rings, but thank you, Jesus. I'm here. Because it was a guy called Paul Unsworth and said, can I tell you about Jesus? And it's because his household served Jesus. They made a choice to serve him. It was his father that made a choice to serve him. It was his grandfather that made a choice to serve him. And this is the fruit of it, that salvation come, that I accepted him into my life. But I'm going to talk about head and heart. I knew things had to change. I knew it in my head. Right? I'm now living for Jesus. I can't go out doing those old things that I want to do. But there was still a draw to it because I hadn't engaged this. I'd only engaged this. And the young people, I think you call it FOMO, don't you? Am I right? I'm looking at, I'm looking at you. FOMO, I'm, I'm good with that, good. So they, I did a session where I got the kids uh, and young people to teach me what the language is today. And FOMO was fear of missing out, for those who don't know. Okay, I had exactly the same look. I was just like, you what? FOMO, fear of missing out. I was worried I was missing out on something. And all my friends are going out drinking, doing the old things. And I'm like, but I know something has to change, but I, I, I can't. And then I started to do what I'm very good at, is lead a double life. Put some masks on. Play a, a nine to five, you know, oh, bless you. And at the weekends, not living out what he's actually called me to do. And, and do you know what struck me? And this took a while for it to sink in. I'm a bit of a slow learner. Thank God he's patient with me because I don't know about you. Sometimes it takes many times in order for me to actually listen to him. This is what the prophet Isaiah says. Okay. And the Lord said, because these people draw near with their mouth and honour me with their lips while their hearts are far from me and their fear of me is a commandment taught by men. Now, I struggled in that. And I'll be really real with you, I struggle being up here now because I have to be vulnerable because I want to be vulnerable. But I'm scared of my vulnerability because I don't know what you're going to think of me. Now apply that to Jesus. I'm scared of what you're going to think to me when I come with all my rags, all my shortcomings, all my mistakes. But he knows them anyway. And he still chooses to invest in me to love me, to transform me, to be patient for me, to be for me, to have a plan for me, to be patient and merciful, and most of all, to be firm with me. Because I know from being a father, being firm with my kids is actually what true love is. And I'm so thankful he has true love for me. Now, let me be real. When I got married with Sarah, I still had trouble engaging the heart, right? Uh, to the point where, when we were dating, she questioned whether it was going to go anywhere because I was able to pay lip service. I can pay lip service really well, but actually, I wasn't engaging with him. I wasn't engaging with my heart, and that affected some of my relationships. As I said, how we engage with him impacts our relationships, impacts our parenthood, it impacts our communities, our families. And I remember during lockdown, I had a bit of a, a disagreement with Sarah the night before. And I'm like, God, how, how? I just, I want to, I want you to take this heart of stone and I want you to turn it into a heart of flesh, like for real, but I don't know how. I really don't know how. So I have this disagreement and then I wake up the next morning and Sarah's crying and, you know, guys in the room, I'm thinking, oh no, what have I done? How's today going to go? 
And I'm thinking it's, it's going to be an interesting one. She comes running in the room. Go, I'm pregnant! I'm pregnant! And I'm like... Oh. I'm terrified of being a father. So I'm elated. I'm like, yes, we're going to have kids. Woo! You know, and then at the same time, I'm like, oh my goodness. I've got the responsibility now of being a father. And how I act, how I engage with him is going to affect, it's going to have an impact on my children. And I don't want my children to turn out or have the same experiences that I had. So in the midst of all this, he is so good with the baggage I'm carrying. And today, I don't know if some of you are actually carrying baggage. I'm sure, so, like, I, I really am. But he is that good that he will be patient with me. He will be gracious. And he wants to come in and give me freedom. He wants to transform me. He wants me to have joy. He wants me to have hope. Simply because he's my father and I am his son. And that is the same for you today, friends. Whatever you're carrying... Ask him, how do I engage this? For real. Because we can all fake it. I'm sure we can. I certainly can. But it's when we engage with him, that's when transformation happens. Even though I was hiding, even though I was scared of being vulnerable with him and being real, still he's saying, come, son, have a seat. Let's spend time. Because he is so, so good and perfect. Now, I remember there was a pivotal point. Uh, so apparently with Sarah, uh, she likes to have her waters broken a week before and we don't know about it. So it's happened with both our kids, but we don't know about it. So we get rushed in. Uh, she had sepsis last time. Time before Michael had joined this and like, they have to quickly slice and dice, cut them out. There you go, there's your kids. And I remember being in the special baby unit with Micah, right? And I'm just looking at him. I'm, I'm literally in tears. I haven't slept for 30 hours. So I get quite emotional when I'm not tired. And I'm in tears. I'm like, oh my gosh, you're, I get to father you. And he had to have injections because he had drawn this and had to have antibiotics in bits and pieces. And I remember in Scabur, I just, I had my finger and he, he just held it. And I'm looking at him going, God, I really need to engage with you. I want him to serve you. I want him to build his house on the rock. But that starts with me. That starts with me as his father. Engaged. Not for any other reason of, I'm not trying to twist his hand, but God, I want to be a better son to you. And not in the sense of what I can do, but I want to engage with you. I want a real relationship. Now, I don't want it from here. I want it in here. Because I've got this little boy in a nappy, weighing like eight and a half pounds, looking at me going, what's just happened? <laughs> But, son, I'm going to be praying over you. I'm going to be for you. And that parallels God's heart for us. He is for you. He loves you. He wants to bring freedom. He wants to bring transformation into your lives today. Now, look, I'm really grateful for the Springlets team here as well. Because, Micah, every Sunday gets so excited about going to Springlets. So I'm really thankful because... The teams, you and your households are choosing to serve the Lord. You're choosing to serve, and that's having an impact on my kids now, right? Daddy, Daddy, go, go spring, let's go church. And he absolutely loves it. And then we're praying with him. What, what are you thankful for, Micah? Park. <laughs> what else are you thankful, Micah? Paddling pool. Keep going. Mummy. What else are you thankful for? 
Jesus. That's his saying, Jesus. He can't say Jesus. Jesus. So he's saying, he's saying and what, what else, son? Keep going. Thankful for daddy. Bang, that's it. Amen it right there. Right. Amen. Right. But, no, this is real. But what I just want to share is my impact, the way I'm serving my wife, the way I'm serving in my role has an impact on my kids. And look, even if I'm not up on a platform, if I'm stacking shelves in Tesco, if I'm doing IT, if I'm doing a mechanic job, whatever job, I want to be serving him as an expression of worship through that because my kids are going to see that. So Micah, every morning, breakfast round his face. I don't know, he still can't get it. Two and a half, can't get a spoon in his mouth. Porridge in his hair is everywhere. Daddy, go work. And I'm like, Daddy, don't want to go. I want to stay at home and play with you, son. I want to, I want to... But then I'm like, actually, this is good. He sees his father taking responsibility. He sees his father serving the Lord. And it doesn't even have to be within Wellspring. He sees how I'm serving Sarah, my wife, how I'm serving Jesse, how I'm serving others, right? And my dream is, as I'm worshipping and serving my children, when Micah gets friends, I want to serve his friends. And even better, serve his friends' parents and lead them to Jesus and help them to go deeper with him to transform the next generation because we have a responsibility and it starts with us. When we're engaging this with him, when we engage our heart, that's when real transformation happens. Does anyone in here ever get jealous? This, this went down a bit, bit funny in the foot. Yeah, oh, good, love it. Okay, does anyone get jealous? So I want to talk a bit about jealousy. I'm, good, okay. So when I first started dating Sarah, other guys would talk to her, I would get jealous. So I'm going to be a little bit real, like puff out the chest, you know, go and see Shegan to give me some more weight exercises for my arms to have that intimidating look. Get away. You know, jealous in the world sense, right? Does any, anyone ever get that? Yeah. Do you know when I get really jealous in my household, I'm going to be real, it's a bedtime, right? So, I am going to sing you a song. So I'm secretly, I really want to be on the worship team, so every time I'm trying to crowbar in some singing. So if you just allow it, Sinead, I'll crowbar it in. Every, <laughs> yeah, don't mute the mic, Paul. <laughs> Every night when we put Micah down, we do his routine, we read him a story, we pray for him, and then he'll go, Mummy, come back. Mummy, come back. And then it makes me think of, please hurry, why don't you come back? Anyone? Paul Young? Anyone? I'm looking at the... No? Anyone? Someone? Just something... Thank you, Kev. Good. Oh, thank you, Trent. There we go, yeah. <laughs> And I'm hearing this in my head, and I'm hearing mummy come back, and I'm like, I want it to be daddy come back. I really want it to be daddy come back because I love him. And I get jealous over little things like that. And this is what it helped me understand. God is doing something, even in that, that he is jealous for me. The God who created me, the God who created you, who knitted you so beautifully and wonderfully, in your mother's womb, is jealous for you. Now, I don't want anyone else ever to father Micah as an earthly parent. I'm his dad. No one can ever love Micah and Jesse the way I do. In an earthly sense, right? I would die for them right now. I love them so much. I don't ever want to see them get in a car accident. 
because it's going to hurt them. When I see my kids get hurt, it does something in me. I'm feeling it now, just this pent-up rage and anger. I don't want to see them. And this is like Mike just fall over and scuff his knee. I'm like, ah! Because I want the best of my kids. I don't want to see them ever get hurt, and I want them only to do things that are good for them. I don't want them to do things that are going to harm them or have an effect on them. And suddenly, suddenly I get what God is saying. For you shall worship no other God. For the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God. And jealous in the biblical sense. I am jealous over my kids. God is jealous over every single one of you in whom you're serving and how you're engaging with him. I want Micah to come to me. I want Jess, when he's older, to come to me and we spend time together. Not because they have to, not to pay lip service, but because their hearts are really there and they want to spend time with me. And this is God is inviting us into an opportunity to say, come, come and spend time just because I love you, just because you are you. Come as you are. When my kids come with food all over their face, kicking off, having tantrums, come here, give daddy a cuddle. Come as you are because I want you. I don't care about your performance. All I care for is that you are my sons. And this is what God is saying today. Come and engage me with your heart. And if you're doing it with your head, still come anyway. And let me teach you how to engage with your heart. Because the fruit of it is going to transform not only your lives, but the lives in your communities, your families, and the next generation. And the next generation in this house. And it all starts with just coming as you are. I want my kids to build on the rock. I want you to build on the rock. He wants you to build on the rock. He wants the next generation to be confident to build on the rock. We want a generation like Maria who are going out, handing flyers out, preaching, sharing the good news, running Christian unions, coming against storms, but then trusting that he is for you. He has a plan for you. And no word that comes out of his mouth will come back forward. His purposes will succeed but we engage this with him. So, Maria, when we engage your heart right now, how can we be praying for you? And how can we be praying for parents and spiritual fathers? Because God isn't bound just by our parents. There's spiritual fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters in here who are going to have an impact on the next generation. So how can we pray for you? I think... Um, I think my prayer for me and for young people in my position, um, I've always been prayed over by my parents for wisdom. That's always been a massive thing growing up for me. And I want to pass that on to anyone, a young person, old person, doesn't matter, anyone that feels that they need wisdom. That right now there are so many other idols that are possible to serve. There's so many other paths you can take. And I think having wisdom to pick the one that has heaven at the end of it Another thing is just having the confidence to bring up the name Jesus in a conversation, to not be afraid about saying you're a Christian, no matter the kind of like combat you might face from that, just having that courage. And then my prayer for parents and for spiritual leaders and guiders for over all young people. I pray that I know that a lot of parents have children who have turned away from their faith, and I want to remind them that God has not given up on those children and that neither should they. They should continue in their prayers and by petition, he will answer that prayer and he will turn them back to Jesus. My other prayer is that 
the, uh, the people who have influence over children, over young people, will have that wisdom to impart on them. Um, parents are so influential. Carl's shown that over their kids, and that I think that they will have wisdom that they're able to impart confidently that will change their lives and change the lives of the children and young people around them. Come on, I love that prayer list because that is going to cause us to get deeper in prayer and pray for real. But the only way we can do that is by keeping him at the centre, by keeping Jesus at the centre. Let's not pay lip service to him today. We have an opportunity to respond. And it doesn't matter how far you are, how far you've gone from him, how far you've wandered. Today you have a daily decision to make. We have a daily decision to choose who we're going to serve. Is it going to be the world or are we going to choose to keep him in focus, look him in the eyes and say, come and have your way in our lives. For me, my family, my communities, for the next generation. So Maria, we're, we're going to pray for you right now. Heavenly Father, I, I just want to thank you so much. I want to thank you for the impact of, of good parents. I want to thank you, Father, that you have a, a plan for Maria. And I just thank you for the anchor that you've been during those struggles at the CU, during the struggles of life, because we, we all have our different struggles. But I thank you, thank you in our struggles, you are faithful. You are for us. You are so loving and you turn your face towards us with joy. So, Father, I pray everything that Maria has submitted to you, Father. I, I pray for, for John and for, for Rose as they continue to do their ministry. Father, I, I pray for our communities, our, our fathers, our mothers, our brothers, our sisters. I pray we would be a community that has you at the centre. I pray this house would keep you at the centre, that we would engage with you because you're jealous for us and you love us so much. You sent your only son to die for us. So would you come and help us now in this time? Would you come? Would you, would you just stand with me? And would you just, just reach your arms out? Reach it to heaven. Come and receive from him because he has something for you today. For each and every one of you, he wants to meet you. So can I encourage you to engage with him? Because he's not bound by your circumstances today. He's not bound by your, your troubles, your storms. He is the one who is jealous over you. He is the one who says, come and serve me. Come and engage with me. And see the wonders that I'm going to do in your life. That no one else will ever be able to fulfill. So come now, Holy Spirit. Have your way. Let's keep Jesus at the centre. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by what you've heard. If you'd like to know more about Jesus, Wellspring Church, or how you can grow in others in faith, connect with us by clicking the link in the episode description or by joining us on Sundays at 9am and 11am in person and online.